Good morning, everybody, and welcome to episode 158 of the Quickie Podcast. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, and I'm so glad you're here. My guest today is Julia Masalska. She's a freelance graphic designer working under Happy Cow Creative out of Denver, Colorado. During this episode, we talk about how her mom was a businesswoman and how that influenced her to get straight to freelance right after school. We also talk about how she grew up in the Ukraine and the influences into her creative career that she found there. And she also tells us how she originally was going to be a furniture designer. But now furniture design and fashion design are just a couple of influences that play into her graphic designs. She also tells us about the crowdfunding shelter project she was a part of and how it's changing lives right now. We also talk about the importance of prototyping during the packaging design process and why it is so important. And she tells us about the challenges that she faced upon arriving in the U.S. and trying to build a design career here. I loved chatting with Julia. She is an open book and not afraid to share her wins and her fails. She's also done a number of projects with Adobe, and it was super cool hearing all of these stories. So let's get right to it. Ladies and gentlemen, my guest, Julia Masalska. Here we go. Welcome to the Quickie Podcast, the daily interview show where we talk to graphic designers about their journey to the creative field, and we do it in 30 minutes or less. So, are you ready for a Quickie? Hey, Julia, how are you? Hi, I'm good. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing great. Thanks so much for making time to be on the show today. For sure. I'm happy to be here. Thank you for inviting me. So before we get right into it, are you ready for a quickie? Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Perfect. So let's start with the tough questions. Briefly tell the listeners about yourself. Well, my name is Julia Masalska. I'm a graphic designer. I'm freelancing currently for different businesses. I'm working for Adobe as well as for uh, creative agencies where I'm helping out on projects. And I'm also freelancing with companies that are developing their own brands and products. So, yeah, it's a bunch of different things that I'm doing. It's a big, uh, complex uh, <laughs> structure. Yeah, a big, complex puzzle that you're just working your yeah. way through. Exactly. Very cool. Um, so you're working under Masalska Design, but you are also rebranding a little bit to Happy Cow Creative. Is that right? Yeah, yeah, totally. I kind of wanted to get away from my last name a little bit because uh, I got married and uh, I need to change my last name. So I'm not going to be Masalska anymore. So it's a little sad, but also I'm happy to be part of Happy Cow Creative. <laughs> yeah, it's a new chapter, right? Yeah, definitely. Very it's going to cool. be fun. So Masalska design how long have you been doing that and freelancing with that name for uh for about three years now okay. i started in germany and brought it over to the united states very cool um and what were you doing before going freelance 
Well, I was in school. I was uh, studying industrial design in Germany. So, um, yeah, right after that, I kind of like jumped into the freelance business. My whole family is into business things. So I kind of, uh, yeah, already kind of got guided into this direction. Very cool. So your family is all into business and that really gave you, you know, the encouragement and support you needed to like, you know what, I'm going to, I'm going to do this on my own. For sure. My mom is a power businesswoman, so she <laughs> always cool. gives me the right direction. And, you know, she always motivates me to do my own thing and, you know, to develop my own business instead of, uh, you know, working for somebody else. So, um, yeah, that's, that has been always my motivation. Got it. Okay. So let me ask this then, you know, with your mom being that sort of power businesswoman, I want to ask you about your childhood and where did the creativity come? How did you get put onto this creative path? Mm -hmm. Well, regarding my mom, she's a businesswoman, but my whole family is totally into medicine, which okay. is a little bit weird because I was I felt like I was the only creative in this family. Anyway, so when I was a child, I started drawing pretty early. I was uh, growing up in the Ukraine where I was born. Mm -hmm. Until I was nine years old, I kind of spent a lot of time with my family and with my grandparents in the village. And I think at like an age of four or five years, I got really inspired by Ukrainian churches. I don't know if you have ever seen those. They have those huge golden onion domes. And if you compare those churches to the rest of the architecture in the Ukraine, which is very, uh, you know, um, poor and uh, gray. And so, so those churches kind of really inspired me and uh, gave me this, you know, inspiration to draw them so I started drawing churches when I was four or five years old mm -hmm. and also um, drawing um, family interactions like mom dad because um, my dad unfortunately le left us when I was six years old mm -hmm. so I kind of I was dealing with this as a child so maybe that was kind of like my way to express my feelings so then my mom uh, saw that I was drawing a lot and she sent me to an art school at, at an age of uh, seven years old where I was basically learning the whole skill of drawing three-dimensional objects and applying shadows and highlights to, uh, to you know, drawings so they look more realistic. And that kind of, like, always made me go for art classes in school. And I think that direction kind of uh, brought me into what I'm doing right now. Okay, that's so cool. I love the tie-in of, you know, a little bit of architecture, a little bit of drawing, and, you know, creating, um, you know, visual representations of that you know on paper what was the the moment or the point where graphic design became something that you knew as graphic design when did you first start noticing it and who put you onto that Mm -hmm. So I was always inspired by fashion as well. So I always okay. loved to look through fashion magazines. And I loved the way, you know, the photographs were combined with the different typefaces and the text and how it, uh, it all kind of looked very inspiring and kind of, uh, yeah, really motivated me to learn how to do this myself. Mm -hmm. And um, actually, before I started studying industrial design, I was more into uh, architecture and interior design. So I was thinking that I'm going to be a furniture designer. And then uh, during my studies, I learned that I really l uh, loved experimenting with graphics. And I, le I learned to use um, Adobe um, InDesign. With, that's where I started creating my first you know, brochures and prints from my, from my university. Mm -hmm. And I don't know, this kind of got over me and graphic design became more and more present. And I mean, 
the classes that we had in school were more technical, you know, industrial production and material, uh, you know, uh, material production. And I, of course, those kind of also get stuck to me. That's the reason why I'm doing a lot of packaging design nowadays, mm -hmm. because I kind of know the whole background of production. Mm -hmm. But um, graphics kind of didn't let me go. And especially when I got to this um, to this project that's called Scanned. Um, if you have seen that on my um, on my Instagram, it's linked. Mm -hmm. um, so it's it's a project where I basically took. I was experimenting with graphics, so I took um, objects and I put them on a scanner and I scanned it into this photograph where I was totally blown away that you can take pictures with a scanner. That was totally, <laughs> you know, that was totally mind-blowing for me. I have not seen anybody doing that before. So then I started experimenting with a scanner, you know, moving objects while, while the scanning process. And this is how the project scanned kind of came into life where I took uh, fashion photography, which was always very inspiring for me, you know, that, that exper experimental uh, fashion and patterns, and then uh, putting them together with this um, scanner experiment where I was kind of like shifting the, the photograph while the scanning process, it gave really interesting results and it kind of like really inspired me to do learning more and, you know, producing more graphics. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, I did look at the scanned stuff that you put up there. And my first question was, how, how is this created? And now mm -hmm. hearing you explain sort of the backstory of it, that's such a good idea. Yeah. And it was actually an experiment because I didn't own a camera at this point. Mm -hmm. So I had to take a picture and I was like, okay, what kind of devices can I use to take a picture? <laughs> <laughs> so that's when I was like, okay, um, a scanner takes a picture. So I put my objects that I created Mm -hmm. on the scanner and then wow it just blew my mind so since that's then cool. i was long, kind of really yeah how long have you been working on that project for well that started actually i think in 2013 which mm -hmm. was the second or the third year of my studies okay um that's when this accident happened so ever since i've been totally mind blown by scanners and i love the way um, black color, for example, when you move black color, black and white color photography, while the scanning process, it divides into um, into green, uh, blue, and red, into different colors. What? Yeah, it's it's totally it's totally crazy because um, I mean the scanner perceives the RGB, right? Yeah. So it scans the RGB, and when you move black, it divides the color into RGB. So in a red, um, green, and blue. So, yeah, that's amazing. It was totally... That's cool. What a yeah, discovery. Um, yeah. So, Julia, now I want to ask you, through this creative journey, what stands out as the most influential design of your life so far? Something that you saw and has just stuck with you? Mm-hmm. Well, I've actually participated in something that was really impressive for me. So as a designer, I was always very interested in helping people, actually helping people with design. So that's why I like to do branding because I know a brand can grow with my help. Mm -hmm. um, so this design actually was a social design uh, project that I've been working on in India. It's called X Shelter. There I have created a product, a dismantable um, homeless family shelter mm -hmm. it's basically a tent that you can produce out of the local materials bamboo metal and fabric mm -hmm. 
fabric that's covered by, vac by wax, so it's waterproof. So whenever it rains, there is a protection against rain. So anyway, uh, we've created this product that, that people can recreate. We gave them instructions on how to create this product. We connected them to welders that will weld them the exact piece that they will need as a part of this product. Mm -hmm. And this project was financed by crowdfunding. So mm -hmm. we went on to Indiegogo and we said, okay, we want to help 125 homeless f small families, providing them with a little shelter, a little dignity uh, in the city. So they kind of have their... You, most of those families ha had a baby or a child. Mm -hmm. um, and so we kind of wanted to give them a little bit more privacy and a little bit more dignity. So we went on the crowdfunding uh, campaign uh, on um, Indiegogo and we started uh, collecting those funds from different places. They came from all over the world. We collected, mm -hmm. I think, about $5,000. So we were able to produce 125 uh, shelters for those homeless people. Mm -hmm. And that was totally impressive and mind-blowing for me because I went, firstly, I went for the first time in my design career, I went through the whole process from ideation to, to prototyping. We had four different prototypes that we tested on with the people and um, until the production of and delivery of the product and actually the social impact that we created for that was totally mind-blowing for me. So I think that was like one of the most important projects that I have been working on and I had the pleasure working on mm -hmm. because... I mean, not everybody has the funds to work on something like that. And during that project, you probably got to use a number of your different skill sets, mm -hmm. not just, you know, graphic design to make things look good. For there, sure. There was creation of, you know, the brand. And obviously you need to have a you know, marketable brand to bring a product out and get people interested in supporting that product and all of that. There's that side of it, but there's also the product development side. Mm hmm. Exactly. Very cool. And to be able to be a part of a project that makes such, um, you know, an impact like that would, that would be a cool experience. I know. It's a, it was very impressive for me. And it, I think it would always stick in, my, in the back of my mind. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I think I would always motivate people to do something like that, to create something, you know, mindful, something that really helps people. Mm -hmm. Definitely. Well said. Um, Thank you. Julia, who are some of the designers and brands that you look up to and closely follow? And what about them do you like? Okay, so I try to, honestly, I try to stay away, away from graphic design in my inspiration. So I get my inspirations from uh, fashion. I love the brands like Missoni, um, Gucci, Chanel, you know, uh, the classics. Uh, I love the way they go about the, um, their creations, that they don't have this... Um, corporate feel to it. They're way more experimental than um, the many graphic designs you see, for example, in packaging nowadays. So I think it's very interesting to get inspirations from different places. I also mm -hmm. love to get inspired by technology or by um, you know, science. I love uh, I love exploring um, numbers or um, you know, geometric objects and how they can um, go together into a useful design. Mm -hmm. So um, that was always very interesting for me. And I think my biggest inspiration is nature. So whenever I go into nature, I get those crazy ideas. And the more time I spent in nature and then uh, combine it with the design process that I'm working on, um, 
the more intense this experience is, the more uh, the better my creation is, mm-hmm. my creative processes. And sometimes when I spend a lot of time doing that, I even have like visions before I wake up. So I have this I have this image that I have that I see these colors that I see before I wake up. It's like a color shape mixture. And then sometimes I wake up and I ha- I take my iPad and I instantly sketch it right away because I was so mind blown by by the fact that you know that I see things, and it's just crazy sometimes. <laughs> I love that. So it's not really you know specific designers and brands, but you're pulling sort of inspiration and um, you know creative guidance from a number of different sources. Yeah, definitely. And I would recommend it to anybody else because that's what the creative process is. We kind of combine our experiences and put them into something new. And if you really want to create something new, you uh, better um, have different influences, you know, that that really can make you create something new. The merger of those different influences, right? Yeah, definitely. Nice. All right, Julia, I want to now get into print and packaging design. I want to ask you how you have utilized print design in your design career so far and any mm-hmm. stories around printer packaging that you could share with us? Mm-hmm. Well, I think uh, for creation of packaging is very important to prototype. So I'm like the total prototyping person. Mm-hmm. Whenever I create something, uh, whatever, is it a wine label or um, any kind of packaging, I try to print it first and make a prototype, hold it in my hands, see how it really feels and how it looks. That's the product designer in me. I think the industrial designer who wants mm-hmm. to kind of hold it in their hands and see how it's, you know, how you look at it, how um, how the project uh, product behaves when you turn around. What do you see first? What do you see second? So you have like this arrangement of information, this hierarchy. And um, I think whenever you make a prototype, you really can see how this, if it really works. So I, I can tell you a story that was mm-hmm. my first first encounter with bleed and trim marks. Okay. So as I, as I told you, when I was studying design, it was an industrial design school. So we were more into the technical things okay. and less into the print side of things and less into, um, you know, graphic design. So, um, so the first time I had to produce kind of like a documentation for a project that I've been working on with photography and text. And it has been like a folded magazine. So basically like a long sheet of paper that we had to fold. And so that was the first piece that I actually printed where I thought, okay, I created something, you know, I created like a magazine or something. Mm -hmm. So I took my file, I went downstairs to our print assistant who helped me, who was supposed to help me print uh, my, um, yeah, my PDF. (laughs) And, um, at that, point, at that point of time, I was, I think, in the first year of my studies. I had no clue what bleed and trim marks are. I had no clue that you have to extend the image beyond, you know, the trim marks. <laughs> yeah. And so and so when she opened this file, she was totally shocked. She was like, oh, girl, I cannot print this. You have to go back. You have to go back and redo everything. So she basically gave me my first insights into print. Mm-hmm. into print technology, into how to uh, create a file that's actually producible and will look somehow good. For sure. So, yeah, that was a very funny, interesting story. Um, and, and I had a number of stories like that where people kind of embarrassed me a little bit, but mm-hmm. it always kind of helped me to 
move on, move forward, and it motivated me to learn the skill even better. Mm-hmm. So after that, I kind of really got into this uh, bleed and trim marks and, you know, how to um, how to put the colors together and all that stuff. So yeah, that was definitely motivation. <laughs> you know, every, everything is, is a, a learning opportunity. For right? sure. So you can take it as, as either, you know, something that you learn something from or, you know, something that you take offense from. And I love how you've pulled the lessons out of it and you learn, okay, now I've learned this. And you not only learn that in the moment, but you go on to try and become an expert at that. Exactly. Yeah, that was always the motivation. The problem of me is I'm a Taurus. <laughs> so whenever somebody tells me that I cannot do something, I'm going to do it twice. Yeah. So perfect. It just sort of lights the fire and like, "Oh yeah, I'll show you." <laughs> exactly. Um so Julia, the next few questions I have for you take you down part of your career where you've likely made some mistakes, learned some mm-hmm. lessons, and I want to pull those stories out and share those with the listeners. Mm-hmm. So what has been the most challenging time in your design career so far? Why was it challenging and how did you get through it? Okay, I think the most challenging part is when you want to work as a freelancer and you don't have any connections. You don't have you don't know nobody. So that's that's was that was the problem that I had when I came to the United States. I literally knew one person and that was my well my, at that point my boyfriend, mm-hmm. but I didn't know anybody. I did not know about the industry. I did not know about how to, you know, I did not know about the uh, technical design language that they have been using uh, in, uh, you know, in California. And the city I, I went to first was San Francisco. I spent two and a half years there. Mm-hmm. So San Francisco was basically the hotspot for design. And for me at that time, uh, you know, it was very ch- challenging to understand all those things that were going on, the whole technology uh, development, the whole design was t- suddenly so different. And I didn't know anybody. So how would I start? So I think that was like the challenge for me uh, to figure out how to meet people, how to um, make connections, how to get to know about the business, about how to communicate, about how to um, interact with clients here. So mm-hmm. I think that was the most challenging so far. So from Germany to the US, is there a big sort of cultural difference in the design community? Oh, yeah, totally. Um, I think there is a very big difference between German design and or the design that I've studied at the university and uh, the design in California. I think the Germans um, are really straightforward and they they are very strict and they're not too open to change, Mm -hmm. Uh, which is the complete opposite in California. (laughs) <laughs> Through the whole technology developments there, and the mindset of the people is just so open that you can literally create anything, the craziest thing, and people will appreciate you for creating something new, for creating mm-hmm. something you know exciting that's uh, different. So um, I think that has changed for the better in my life, and I'm really, I really appreciated the way people um, started appreciating me as a person who is a bit different, who is, you know, a little crazy at times. But my <laughs> scanner things, if I had shown my scanner project to somebody in Germany, they would look at me like I'm crazy. But here, uh, people really appreciate it, and and you know, they're interested in new things. That is cool. Really well said. You know, to explain the differences there. Thank you. I'm going to get a little bit more specific here, Julia. Um, Mm -hmm. 
Can you take us to a design or a specific project that you were a part of that did not go well or bring the desired result? What was that like? How did that feel? Can you take us to that story? Hmm. Hmm. I think um, I can maybe uh, take as, exa- as an example my um, my a- agency experience in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I was working for this very young agency, and they were pretty experienced designers. For me, everything in San Francisco was very new. So um, you know, I was very new to the whole world, and uh, I've. I have to say I've learned so much in the past two and a half years, but um, there I think the worst mistake I've made was like um, pre- preparing a client file where I did not match RGB and CMYK for the print. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I think uh, my boss was really, really upset at me. Uh, and next day he was all telling me that he was really upset that he had to sit down and do it for me. You know, although I, I kind of like had the file prepared for the print. Anyway, that I think that was one of my biggest mistakes. So it didn't make it to print. Nope. The print, uh, the printer sent it back and was like, Hey guys, look through it. I need it in CMYK, please. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Got it. So again, in that situation, you sort of pull the lesson out of it and it reminds you every time you're about to send a file to a printer, Let's check. Oh yeah. Let's check this. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Now I'm really I'm about those things. I'm really specific and I really double check things. And second thing that I really think is so important and I'm so glad that Adobe finally has this in their in their uh, creative suit. So, uh, the spell check. I think the spell check <laughs> is such an important thing. Yeah. And I had I had so many times where I printed something and then I was like, oh shoot, look at that! I missed a letter or I, I misprinted, misspelled uh, something. Mm-hmm. And now, luckily, 2020 <laughs> versions of Adobe have brought the spell check in it. So even Illustrator and InDesign will have spell check, which is super amazing, and I'm so happy about it. <laughs> Such a good call, for sure. Um, it's funny you say that because in I designed, I used to be a publisher for a pet magazine that I created. Mm-hmm. And my first ever issue, <clears throat> we had a ad for the pet, for the magazine itself mm-hmm. on the inside back cover, no, inside front cover. Mm-hmm. And I spelt the name of the brand, like my own pet magazine, wrong. Oh my gosh. And I didn't catch it at all until I picked up the first book at the finished end of, you know, the saddle stitcher where they're putting the staples and putting the book in all together. Everything's already printed. And I grab it first copy. I open up the front cover and I see it immediately. I must have read over the thing a hundred times. And, you know, I did press checks for it. I even documented it. I took photos of the press checks and things like that. Oh my and, God. Uh, I just, I didn't see it until it was finished and in my hands. So yes, spell check. Very important. Yeah, yeah, totally. And <laughs> and it's always good to have someone else look through it. Yeah. <sighs> Cuz sometimes yeah. sometimes you work for for so long on something that you kind of already accept the visual in your, you know, in your head and you don't really see the mistakes anymore. That's why it's always good to have someone else. 100%. Yeah, just you can you glaze over the mistakes. Your mind just sort of fills in the gaps of them. For sure. Yeah. Um Julia, what is something you're struggling with in your design career right now? Mm, I think one of the things is so I'm I'm a I'm a nice person. I want to help people, right? Mm-hmm. So um, 
I think what I'm struggling with is when I see that there is a business who I really like and um, I have problems charging them. Like mm-hmm. I have problems charging them too much or I don't want to make the design part of their brand um, basically bring their business down because they have to invest so much that you know, their business can suffer from that. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest problem because I, w- I really want to help people. And my husband knows that. He always, uh, he's always angry with me when I'm charging, when I'm not charging enough. But I, I'm really like, I'm trying to be helpful so much that I'm kind of putting the them first. Mm-hmm. So I think that's, that's something that I really need to learn, you know, to kind of um, have my barrier of, uh, you know, empathy. And that, you know, do you think that comes from, well, not only experience, but truly understanding your value? Yeah. Um, so I think, so I do value my work, of course, but I also want to help and I want to, um, you know, bring some kind of improvement in people's businesses because mm-hmm. I know how much design um, is important, but you know, it's always a contradiction of this, of these two things. I yeah. also want to make money, but on the other hand, I want to help the person. So yeah, it's it's always a contradiction of those two. Oh, Julia, you're such a sweetheart. Um, I'm going to turn this bus around now. And I want you to tell me about a project that you have been a part of, that you are mm-hmm. the most proud of, one that just makes your heart sing. Mm-hmm. Well, um, I think the actual the project that I was telling you about in India was uh, pretty much the biggest one where I'm I'm so proud about it. It's not just a product. It's something really that helps people. And um, in case there's somebody listening to this uh, who has something uh, similar to work on, I'm always glad to help uh, as a product designer. Um, I'm, I'm actually looking forward to doing something like that whenever I have a little bit more time, a little bit more, you know, um, uh, financial freedom. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So uh, I would love to do something like that again. And mm-hmm. um, I would love to go to different places and maybe find little solutions for people, um, you know, where, where the solution can be so simple mm-hmm. as having, you know, a little invention that will help them. Definitely. You know? Definitely. Really well said. It was a heartwarming project for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so as an Adobe girl and part of that group, I want to ask you this one now, what is one design product, tool, website, or community that you just can't live without? And I'm going to add a little catch in here. Mm-hmm. You can't mention any of the Adobe Suite products. <laughs> I think um, I, can, I can live without the Adobe Suite products. I can. And I can't live without any tools that I have to design, but my whole design process would not be happening without um, any support that I have from my family and friends. Mm-hmm. So I think that's my biggest tool, um, the support and, you know, the um, uh, the wall behind me or, you know, the support behind me that kind of pushes me forward. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's my biggest tool, and that's something that I appreciate the most. I, I think Adobe, Adobe, yeah, it's a great tool. Um, and I obviously, in my everyday life, I cannot live without them. But I, there's other ways you can create, you can uh, exist as a photographer or, you know, 
there's 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 ways to survive, mm-hmm. but um, I could not do all this without my family and my friends. The community and support that you have behind you. Yeah, for sure. Awesome. Such a great one. Well, Julia, you've made it to the point of the show for the Ask It Forward question. Yeah. So I have a question for you for my last guest, and you get mm-hmm. the opportunity to ask a question of my next guest. All right, um, let's do it. I'm not going to tell you who they are, but you can ask them anything. So okay. I'll go first. My last guest was Mr. Clark Orr from Hellcats mm-hmm. USA. Um, he's the co-founder there with his wife, Brittany, and he also has um, a Clark Orr Design Studio. Mm-hmm. So, um, he wanted to ask you, if you had a bizarre mutant power, what would it be? Not the standard flying or invisibility, but just something bizarre. Something bizarre. I think I would, so just regarding to the design business, I would just love to understand what my client feel about their brand. I think sometimes it's really difficult to understand and you really have to dig uh, deeper. I do that with uh, different uh, mood boards that I tr- kind of give present to them and I try to figure out which direction to go. Yeah. I think it would be really helpful if you already know what they want and what they need. Okay. So that's yeah. the, the work-related one. I'm going to push this one a little bit further. Mm-hmm. And in your personal life, with your hobbies, with whatever you got going on and what you're interested in, mm-hmm. what is one just wild, weird, mutant power that okay. you have to have? I think, I think the one thing that really annoys me sometimes is that I have to go to the restroom so much when I drink a lot of water. Mm-hmm. So that's really annoying to me. And <laughs> I, just, I just want to be able to drink water and not to have to go pee. So yeah. you want to have a superhuman <laughs> bladder. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing. Oh, Julia, that's so fun. Um, what is the question you'd like me to ask the next guest? Okay, so um, it's actually a design-related question. So my question is, what product or service would you design or reinvent if you were the president of the United States? Ooh, nice one. I really like that one. So what would you change? Maybe it's some kind of tool that people can use to, you know, for example, for me, I don't, I don't want to ask and answer that question now because otherwise it kind of, I think it can limit the person in their thinking, but um, well, they, I can they do it another time. They won't hear your answer before okay. they have to answer it. All so right. what, uh, I'm curious, what would, what would you redesign? I think my design would be regarding the voting system. Mm-hmm. So I would definitely redesign the whole system of voting and, uh, you know, elections and um, get it a little bit political with mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So you, what would change would you make? Would you move away from the electoral college system and just go with individual vote counts or what would you do to it? Yeah, individual, uh, individual votants, and I also would go ahead and simplify the system for of um, online documents mm-hmm. with the government. Mm-hmm. So I would just make the whole system very easy for people to use and um, make it understandable for everybody. Many mm-hmm. people don't speak the English language perfectly. Um, 
And sometimes I felt when I was going through the immigration process, um, sometimes it was difficult for me to understand questions that have been asked uh, where I almost gave the wrong answer. You know, so um, I would redesign the whole thing and I would make it um, easy to understand. I would make it easy to, for people to vote uh, uh, and also um, the, you know, so that individuals can be um, kind of like on Instagram, <laughs> <laughs> that individu individuals can be considered uh, and not only people that have been in politics. Definitely. Awesome. Would you add like text message voting? Text message voting could be one thing. Yeah, like I mean, voting, could be just, it could be an app, super for accessible, right? Yeah, got right? the voting app. Yeah, got it, Julia. You've made it to the end of the Quickie Podcast. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Awesome! Thank you so much for having me. It was so fun, and I'm happy to do that again any day. Awesome. <laughs> All right. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. I really appreciate your time. If you liked what you heard, head on over to iTunes and please leave a rating and a review for the podcast there. I would really appreciate it. And you know, I'll be back tomorrow. See you then. Bye.